right, hello there and welcome to Open Sources Guelph. You're on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. I am Adam A. Donaldson from Guelph Politico and joining me is... Scotty Hertz from his bunker and Adam, thanks for the warning about the cannonade on the weekend because uh, <laughs> I just battened down the hatch. I thought it was just going to be like pistols or, you know larger caliber rifles but no nope they got out the howitzers oh yeah it was howitzer time in york road park yeah animals uh, were not happy and many of the humans too (laughs) you know no birds sang at all just it it got out a big crowd and i gotta wonder uh how many people were just like me and wanted to see a howitzer get shot off (laughs) well we definitely felt it <laughs> under the concrete. <laughs> I was like, make it stop. Uh, yeah, it was a little it smoky. Eventually stop, but yeah. A little smoky down in the park, but uh, that's okay. Alright, Open Source is a CFRU's political and current affairs discussion show, and you can find us here every Thursday at 5 p.m. as we talk about the latest news items from Guelph, Ontario, Canada, and around the world. And we sometimes interview those local newsmakers and politicians, which this week will be Camille Labchuk, who is the executive director of Animal Justice. She is joining us to talk about some of that recent news about uh, more animal deaths at Marineland and uh, a couple other animal rights issues that she and her group are working on right now. That is going to be at the bottom of the show. Before that, we're going to talk about a few news items from the last week, including Fox News. A queer rights group wants the CRTC to throw the American right wing propaganda channel, not a news network, off all cable packages. But is that going to do anything to fight far right propaganda here in Canada? Uh, first, though, we need to talk about Chinese interference in Canadian politics. There was a pretty big breaking news story in the Globe and Mail last week about a friend of the show, Wellington Halton Hills MP Michael Chong, who as it would turn out, uh, seemed to be targeted for some kind of retaliation from the, um, what is the exact uh, department of the Chinese government? The Ministry of State Security, uh, who wanted to see if they could get payback uh, using uh, Michael Chong's family in Hong Kong as some kind of leverage. Michael Chong, you may not remember, was leading the charge to declare what was happening to the Uyghurs and other Turkish minorities in China as a genocide. Uh, he was kind of leading that through committee and was successful. The The Canadian Parliament did, the majority of the Canadian Parliament, uh, most of the government abstained or didn't vote in favor, um, but everyone else did uh, declare it a genocide. And that prompted the Chinese government to start looking at ways they could, I guess, make Michael Chong pay. And two years later, we finally get this news, or I should say, he finally gets this news, opening up the Globe and Mail one day and uh, finding out that he was the target target of Chinese spies. Discuss. <laughs> yeah, so <clears throat> the breaking news, and this is Wednesday afternoon, as the House of Commons unanimously voted on having a parliamentary, the procedural committee to look into the allegations of an intimidation intimidation campaign against Chong by the Chinese right. government. Yep. I mean, how, how can, at this point, how can they not? Yep. So it says once everything kind of blew up on the weekend, there's been a, a, a story a day in, involved in this. So I guess we're kind of working uh, in reverse, including the expulsion, the tit for tat, <laughs> which is now a, a phrase that's back. And that's hopefully, or probably all that it will be 
Mm-hmm. So the diplomat Zhao Wei was was sent home on mm-hmm. Monday. Mm-hmm. Who is the one that's supposed to have been directly involved with these? Um, yeah, the Toronto consul. Yeah, what was happening with uh, Chong? And then on Tuesday, the Chinese government sent home the diplomat whose name I'm going to Jennifer Lalonde, mm-hmm. who uh, it that's tit for tat. It's like okay, you've done this. We're going to do this. I think the the hope is that it won't escalate any further well and they it, weren't just they weren't just thrown out they were declared persona non grata yes to be which sounds like something out of john wick persona non grata, so <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like something out of john wick john wick is persona non grata <laughs> kill him but yeah like a martini somewhere a fancy drink but yeah, <laughs> yeah. so that's that's uh yeah nothing fancy about mm. it really and it's it you know diplomacy is is a bit of a dance mm. so it's the, the China couldn't not respond. The same with Canada. There's no way that this this could have been uh, left standing as is. Not, not just because of the pressures coming from the conservatives and elsewhere. Like it it does, and we've talked about this before. There still seems to be either a communication problem or some shortcomings in how CSIS and the government yeah coordinate information because this this. We're relying, and the government would seem, because Trudeau said the same thing, that he read it in the Globe and Mail, mm-hmm. are relying on the media mm-hmm. to to tell them things that they should know, or were assumed to know, but it, and everybody was like, well, I didn't really, I didn't know any of this, I was unaware, you know, I was, they didn't really say it was of significant concern, Yeah, but they've, they've the the liaison they've been through three or four direct what what is the actual position again not director but uh national security and information advisor i knew you'd know see there you go it's my notes are a bit of a jumble and <laughs> i just know there was three they're on they're on their fourth person since i guess the initial election of in 2015 well they had four people in 2021 that was oh it's oh so that was immediate then i, I didn't get yeah. that impression i saw that article and i was like so they they're they're going through people. I think that's maybe just part of the problem. Mm. I would almost think that they need to create some other kind of liaison that can be, that can stick handle this information, whether it's somebody's parliamentary secretary, maybe Mm. defense or foreign affairs, or, I mean, they, you know, they, they can create any position that they want Mm. in cabinet. Right. So if they Mm. had some kind of special representative or whatever they want to call it, not rapporteur, but yeah, ha- having said all of that, I think that uh, motion that passed today makes the whole setup with a rapporteur seem a bit like it, yeah. it's almost as if they're spinning the wheels again and for something that is probably now going to happen. The, the inquiry about the the original, like the original allegations, let's call them. Yeah, the inquiry uh, in is area. Be, it, yeah, interference, right? Yeah, it isn't going to be limited to Chong. Like Chong's going to be the gateway to talking about it all. And, you know, they could have done this months ago, right? Because it just keeps getting worse. And the, the the whole the whole thing with how this broke is, you know, it, it breaks in the glow and mail. People start asking questions. Justin Trudeau comes down, I think it was on Wednesday. He's doing a scrum and he's like, well, look, like CISA said, it never rose to the, the point of like going, you know, of like telling Mr. Chong about anything. It's like, well, how would you know that? So like... Did somebody at CSIS tell you, like, ah, oh, we got these things about Michael Chong, but don't worry about it. Like, we're not even going to tell him. I mean, <laughs> that sounds pretty bad, too. Um, and then, you know, it, it gets so bad that 
the, the current national security and intelligence advisor, uh, Judy Thomas, actually has to have that phone call with Michael yeah. Chong. And then um and and then, you know, after a week, this guy's name, Zhao Wei, his name was known been known for over a week. And then a week later, it's like, eh, okay, we'll expel him. And you know, some of this may be like the typical, like, how are we going to respond to this? You know, it's it's very easy to, for an opposition party to get up on the House of Commons and say, X needs to happen right away. Well, you can say X needs to happen right away, but if you're in the government, you have to look at the options and have to look at what the potential downfalls and downsides and upsides are. Um, but you also have to keep in mind that in politics, if it looks bad, it is bad. It doesn't necessarily have to be bad. If it looks bad, it is bad. Yeah. And that's the thing that's nipping at the government's heels now. Every time something about this comes out it just looks bad maybe it was the right thing to do um not to throw out Zhao Wei right away maybe it's the right thing to do to you know i don't know at the time not tell michael chong but the big the the the, the really smelly stuff off of all of this is that this this CSIS report that the globe got its hands on is dated like july 21st 2021 Mm-hmm. What was happening in the PMO at that time? Uh, well, it was about a month later they declared an election. Do you think you know they made up their mind that weekend that they were going to go and have an election? No. They were a month away from announcing that they were dissolving parliament and having an election. And as in the middle of this, all this was happening, CSIS is like, hey, you know, <laughs> the Chinese government is kind of looking at using another MP's family to, you know, get political retaliation for something. And it just seemed like nobody gave a damn. So I'm, I'm not sure this needs to be like a like a, a cabinet secretary or something like that. But there definitely needs to be somebody in the government, in these like highly connected times, and and also highly like politically interfering times. Oh yeah, where they can, you know, they have the clearances, can study the intelligence make judgments about whether or not this rises to a big enough threat that you want to bring in that MP and say, okay, here's the deal. Um, this is some of the intelligence we have. It relates to you because that just seems to be the piece that was missing. CSIS was like, you know what? This is, we have this thing here about Michael Chong might be a big deal. And you know, the government was in the middle of planning an election. So and I of wonder course that, if it fell through the cracks. That election is the election interference election, right? So it, right. All, yeah. it all comes together with that. And it's, yeah, and part of that report too, I guess it's a bit of a subplot, is the um, the police stations. Mm-hmm. The, uh, it was a report out from the Safeguard Defenders, which is a, they're, they're based in Spain. Mm-hmm. They said, we think that Chinese police are running police stations in, in the guise of uh, community groups in mm-hmm. a certain number of countries. And supposedly the, the one that was pointed out in... Montreal there's one in South Montreal somewhere mm-hmm. it's still like there's been no there's been no changes there's been no it's it's just still there allegedly still operating mm-hmm. and this you know this this is the shortcoming they just seem to well they have dropped the ball on this over and over again and Trudeau doesn't often seem caught out in comments but I saw you know this one of the Mr. Trudeau what do you think of this and he he was not ready He's normally mm-hmm. always has something. He just mm-hmm. was doing the the I am not even platitudes, just the empty. And he's not normally normally there's something in there. It's like, okay, so he's on it. This was yeah. like just seemed 
uh, confused. So, I mean, th- this is snowballing into like, well, not only are, are there going to be other repercussions with China, possibly, but they they have to do more, a lot more, or no mm-hmm. one's going to take them seriously. And it would, mm-hmm. you know, wouldn't even matter uh, who the government was. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if we can go back in time and say, well, how, you know, how did the Harper government handle this? How did others handle it? It doesn't actually matter because, like you said, the, you know, these are the new times, right? This mm-hmm. this this is the situation now that interference isn't, you know. James Bond spy versus spy stuff. It's like you can interfere just sitting in your respective bunkers, right? Doing what, mm-hmm. you're, doing what you're doing. So that, and I, I don't, I honestly don't think that they're on top of that enough. But also, just the flow of information too. I mean, if you're to compare us to, to the U.S., mm-hmm. I am positive that you know something like this would be straight to biden's desk or to his people or somebody somebody in the know that could say you know you really you really need to look at this and oh and adding to that mm-hmm. i if, if they were supposedly after chong in in some way and the family in hong kong he didn't really talk a lot about his family in hong kong and who it is or whatever but i would have thought that the the family would have probably had some suspicions if something was amiss. You know what I mean? Mm. Like there's mm. part of this story seems to be missing. And then I was like, okay, well, they were after my family in Hong Kong. It's like, okay, fair enough. Was it spying? Was it, it you know, it wasn't Khashoggi level of like, come to the embassy, but you're not going to get out. Right. So like to, to <gasps> what degree, I'm not saying that they, they weren't uh keeping an eye on his family, but it's like, in, in what way was there, was there anything that made the, the family hong kong suspect mm. this is because it's two years now right mm-hmm. if, if you thought you were being watched or something didn't seem quite right you wouldn't you would know about it right so it's like did did they know something or is it coming together now it's like oh that's what that was about that's an interesting point um was the information ever like what was there ever any action it was more than just like gathering that information um, that may be the next shoe to drop that, you know, CSIS identified somebody following somebody or intercept communicates or something. I mean, who knows? I mean, the, the part it's of speculative, this, but at the same it's speculative, you know, it's, sure. Yeah. yeah. But it, it, it's, it's impossible not to think, and it gets sort of into the spycraft things, which is typically where these sort of public inquiries go. Cause they don't want to go to die because they don't want to reveal sources and methods and all that. But I just, I think in this era of, you know, you have to expect spying and it's not necessarily like that James Bond stuff that you're mentioning, like talking about like online stuff and like bots and sniffers and um, <laughs> honey pots and catfishing. Um, even oh, yeah. regular people have to be worried about spying. It's, it's just, it's, there, there's, there's a lot left to learn about this story. And, and the, you're right. Like how much, Sort of like people who, not just, you know, this guy, uh, Zhao Wei, was identified by CSIS as a, quote, suspected intelligence actor. Um, but the, I was also thinking about the guy, I can't remember his name, but who owns like a bunch of supermarkets in the Toronto area who was connected to Handong, who, mm. you know, was kind of like this go-between between the Chinese government. I mean, how many influential, you know, people of Chinese descent in our business communities could be spies. I mean, and that, and that's also the point where we have to start worrying about anti-Asian racism too, because if you're worried about anyone of a certain ethnicity being a spy, um, 
that might make some people misbehave in a in a altogether negative uh racist way which brings us to fox news um <laughs> filler segue um <laughs> but uh egal canada which is a group that fights for lgbtq plus rights um pretty much they they got the crtc i guess any group can do this but crtc to poise to post a public consultation about whether or not fox news uh, should be pulled from the air in Canada or the cable boxes, I should say. Um, Fox News is available in Canada, but it is not um, mandatory carry. Uh, most cable packages do come with CNN, um, but you do have to pay an extra couple of bucks for Fox News. Uh, I should point out too, you do also have to pay an extra couple of bucks for MSNBC as well. Um, but uh, nobody's talking about getting rid of MSNBC off the Canadian cable packages. We are talking about Fox News. Uh, it does seem to be particularly tied to the commentary of one Tucker Carlson, who's coming soon to a Twitter stream near you. Thanks, Elon oh. Musk. But uh, <laughs> yeah, um, is the end nigh for Fox News in Canada, Scotty? I don't think so. I mean, it, it may well be on cable and satellite, whatever is going, but just in in the name of research i took one for the team i've never i've only watched bits and pieces of tucker carlson that anybody might see on twitter or whatnot so i actually sought this piece out that mm-hmm. egal had specific concerns about and i'm like okay where am i going to find this i found it almost right away you know where i found it <laughs> on the fox news website <laughs> so it wasn't as if i had to dig around youtube or anything it's it it is there mm-hmm. it is available and this mm-hmm. is the thing is that that and I, I was actually surprised that they he wasn't purged from the system but i guess there's so much material there it was really easy and i'm like uh you know it's not like gameshi was purged right Mm -hmm. you can find that stuff on youtube Mm -hmm. but you can't find it on cbc right or if they do they'll skillfully edit it so gameshi's not there so carlson was cut but his stuff is still there so it was like a nine minute bit and i learned quite a bit from it in that like there's there's a couple things that he does uses you know you know they want your guns. You know Joe Biden is lying. Mm-hmm. Like he 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 addresses people not only personally, but every sentence is like an ad hominem attack. Like every <laughs> single thing is just like you know the trans people want to kill Christians. This mm-hmm. is what's happening, mm-hmm. and he says it in that way. It's and everybody's like, yeah, we're not everybody. I certainly wasn't. You know, hanging <laughs> hanging off of of the words, right? But so it will be available for the people that want it will be as readily available for the surfers that are just going duck 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 i heard an excellent anecdote about somebody uh taking their parents remote who are Mm. you know older people and sort of locking out fox news so they couldn't see it Mm -hmm. and they're just like oh no it's gone you know haha nice joke on the on the family but this isn't without precedent and i'm thinking about russia today Mm -hmm. rt as it's Mm -hmm. known Mm -hmm. in i guess it would have been february or march last year was CRTC bandit deauthorized it as they say but Rogers Bell Shaw and who else tell us there's probably others Kojiko's another one I'm, I'm not sure if they did this too I'm sure they did beat them to it mm-hmm. they had already delisted it as like we don't have to carry it the the cable companies satellite will always argue that's like well it's our job just to provide a signal they do this default thing well it's like well that's not really us you know we're just we're, we're doing this so you can get high resolution everything you can get a really good signal and content well blah 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 
So they rely on the CRTC to come up with these kinds of decisions, but that's not to say that they couldn't do it autonomously, right? Mm-hmm. But they just want eyes on the, you know, they just want eyes on it and they'll get eyes on Fox News, of course. But yeah, as you said, uh, kind of off the top there is, you know, is it news? There's mm-hmm. Fox Sports as well. That's not going to get cut. So it's not as if Fox is going to be cut off mm. altogether, right? Like, mm. they'll still be there in some capacity, but it won't be Tucker Carlson. I do wonder how many people in Canada go to the trouble of subscribing to Fox News. It's, you know, because as you said, you can get all that stuff pretty easily enough, like from the Fox News website on YouTube, on Twitter, um, Facebook, all the channels. And actually through those channels, you can get worse stuff. It's not as like, I understand why you would want to focus your efforts on um, unbundling Fox in in the States because it, it, it is one of those, it's mandatory carry channels and a lot of cable packages. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is not the case here. Having said that, you know, I've been through more than enough, you know, anti COVID mandate, anti vax rallies where people like quote Fox News handily. Um, if is it not a, a, a sort of tacit endorsement that it's something that's available in Canada? Yeah, you pay, you have to pay a couple of extra bucks for it, but you also have to pay an, for an extra couple of bucks for like CTV sci fi or. Uh, National Geographic channel. It's you know if you want it, you can get it. Um, do, doesn't do we not maybe have standards to like sort of stand on principle? This outlet, which has been responsible for radicalizing so many people in right wing garbage, just because we can put it on the air doesn't mean we have to put it on the air or make it an option to be on the air. And by the way, Sun CRTC's made these distinctions before Sun TV. Quebec Corps, you know, Fox News North, Quebec Corps wanted it mandatory carry in Canada. And CRT, I mean, CRTC used it in like their language. It's in like, well, yeah, if you want it on mandatory carry, well, you have to like have a certain standard of production and you have to have like certain amounts of original programming, which Sun TV could not meet because, you know, they were constantly thoroughly in debt. Um, but, you know, CRTC made that judgment. You know, this does not meet what we think like a mandatory carry news channel should present to Canadians. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, as a result, Sun TV is gone, long gone, although some of its tendrils remain vis-a-vis Rebel News and Brian Lilly and, and gang. <laughs> yeah, just, just the, the little be- bits and pieces. The flotsam, let's call them. But, <laughs> but yeah, the... I think the, and I'm going to use some shorthand here. Let's say the convoy gang would sure. subscribe to this yeah. for sure. Because where, where is, where is all of this coming? I, you know, a lot of it is coming from the internet for sure. But when you're hearing talking points that are parroted in terms of what has been happening seemingly everywhere, but locally as well with the attacks on the trans community with connections to the school board. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the points that Carlson made in that little clip that I watched, that is the one in question specifically Mm -hmm. leaned into that about drag story time. And, you know, every, it it went from trans people want to kill you because this mass shooter was a trans person. Mm -hmm. And then it, it went into all of this, all of these other little points. Mm Mm-hmm school board protest level stuff right so i mean all of the the pent-up convoy energy that can't be directed towards vaccination mandates and all that now and i guess well that whole teacher in oakville with the fake breasts too that 
like oh, that yeah. was I was yeah. thoroughly covered on Tucker. I'm 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 not unconvinced that a lot of those protests outside that school weren't ginned up because of Tucker Carlson. Yeah. So why why does generally it used to be when you're in the states? Yeah. And if you watch TV or news or anything, there's no mention of Canada. Yeah. Unless it's something huge. Yeah. There's no money. You could you wouldn't even know Canada existed, and that is why lots of people in the in the U.S. know nothing about us <laughs> other than hockey. Yeah. And do you live in an igloo? Which is a you know has been asked, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. why the focus on it? Because it's it's just low hanging fruit to fuel this narrative, and it doesn't matter now. It doesn't matter where the narrative comes from because you know, kid in the classroom with the phone gets that, but then it gets transpun and translated into this. Let's hate these people. Mm. So you got all this right. I think they're correct. You know, more, more power to them. I hope that f- for their sake, this goes somewhere. But mm. you know, who who needs the makeover? It's probably Fox News because you mentioned you mentioned CNN there. I mean, if, if you compare the what's on CNN, what's Fox News? CNN has commentary shows. They're a hell of a lot different than what's on Fox, mm-hmm. but they also have a lot less of them. There's more of CNN that's a news stream, a news feed, than there is on Fox News. Well, CNN also has like bureaus and, you know, people yeah. p- positioned in different places around the world. Fox News doesn't. Fox News legitimate has legitimate news organization. Yeah. Whereas Fox, I mean, and, you know, Fox, I think we may have talked about this too on the, on the, the election night where the they were taking shots, Fox News internally. This mm-hmm. was some of the stuff that came out in the, in the court case. Mm-hmm. Was that Carlson and them were, were pointing to the Fox News department saying, how dare you call this election for Biden? Right, right. They, well, why? Why are they doing this? So they're they're taking shots internally. So it's not as if there's. We, we've talked about this too. How the news the news isn't separated out at Fox News. It's just blended into this ball of crap. It comes right. at you, right? It's like there's commentary and news. Are, there's, there's there's no differentiation. They don't now. If they if they you would think in the wake of the of the seven hundred fifty million dollars, whatever the hell it was. Mm. Do they? I because I just watched the clip. Does anything come on before their commentary shows, like the views expressed, or do they have like a no. Canadian? No, they don't. No. Right. No. So how there's there's not even a hint that this is not news. It is somebody's take on the news, which is a totally, well, almost a totally different thing. Like there's there's always been different opinions about everything in the world, but now it's like people have different facts. Right. offered up right and but alternatively when fox news goes into court and when like tucker like they were sued over something Tar- tucker carlson said um before and they were like the lawyer the fox news lawyer goes into court well tucker carlson's an entertainer who's listening to him for the news and it's like well there's nothing at the beginning of tucker carlson show that says uh tucker carlson is pretending to be a journalist please don't take the things he says seriously yeah. um but you know Fox News viewers also don't hear about what goes on in court when Fox News goes too far and uh, gets sued. So, but then that's the thing. Like with with Weekend Update, which is a news show in quotes, mm-hmm. you know you're getting parody and you know you're getting humor. There is there's a you know kernel of truth in there. Sure, with the the Tucker Carlson etc. setup, it's like there's there's no differentiation at all, and it's like. Does well, now that he's gone, but somebody's going to replace him. The, you know, the question is: is the level of, um, is the level going to stay the same as it was with Carlson? But that that's what gets hot, people's eyes on the screen. So yeah, outrage the outrage machine. Stay tuned, right? Well, one thing I know for sure is that Tucker Carlson being fired means we'll never get to see his 
what would surely have been an insightful documentary about Canadian tyranny, but uh, oh yeah, maybe we'll I'll have be to... on this Twitter channel. <laughs> maybe uh, we'll have to leave Canada. that there. <laughs> We're gonna leave that there. We're gonna come right back in a minute with our interview with Camille Lubchuk. This is Open Sources Guelph here on CFRU. 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. number 22 on our most current CFRU chart, Wax Mannequin, a new release called The Red Brain. And the song was Love is a Hunter, a cover of artist Ray Spoon. Probably one of the best little shows I've seen at Hillside, maybe ever. So. Mm-hmm. And they're both friends of the station, too. Well, it's, it's important to recognize our friends, be they human or animal. Um, which is our way of saying that our interview this week is with Camille Labchuk, who is the executive director of Animal Justice. You may have seen in the news over the weekend that two more animals at Marineland, a bottlenose dolphin and a beluga whale, had passed away. And this was after uh, a couple of months ago, the last killer whale in custody in Canada, Kishka, uh, she passed away back in March. Uh, it is a reminder that Marineland is still a thing. It's still open for business, and they they do still have animals, and there isn't anywhere for those animals to go. In the meantime, you know, are, are those animals being protected? Are they being cared for? Uh, what happens when you know three big marine mammals die in Marineland custody, um, and then Marineland doesn't tell us? Uh, these these are all kind of questions I've been thinking about. As we've been starting like the the summer tourism season and thinking about you know places to go on the weekend and uh, certainly Marineland still wants to be that although they don't do a lot of a- advertising on TV anymore which is a way of saying we're going to talk about <laughs> all this stuff we're going to get into with Camille Labchuk who we talked about animal rights issues with this week and we're going to hit play in that interview starting right now. Okay. Uh, Camille Lapchuk, thank you so much for coming on with us today. It's great to be here, Adam. Uh, for our listeners who may not be familiar with animal justice, I thought I would start by just giving you an opportunity to talk a bit about your organization and, and what it is you do and and uh, and I guess what uh, what your goals are at animal justice, if it's not clear from the name. <laughs> yeah, thank you for that, for the opportunity. So Animal Justice is a national animal law advocacy organization, and we try to transform the legal system in this country to better protect animals. Uh, what a lot of people in Canada don't realize is that, unfortunately, we have some of the worst animal protection laws in the Western world, which is really surprising considering how we view ourselves as polite, kind, compassionate Canadians. Unfortunately, our laws have not kept pace with that. 
So we try to make the laws on the books better and do a better job of protecting animals. We try to make sure that those laws are actually enforced because sometimes enforcement agencies are either captured by industry or they don't have resources or encounter other barriers to actually holding corporations to account for the few laws that do exist to protect animals. And we also give animals a voice in courtrooms across the country. So we make sure that we're there when there's a high profile case involving animals. We bring our own litigation uh, to, you know, try to do a better job of protecting them and just legitimize the idea that animals matter and that their voices deserve to be heard in court cases. When you say uh, we have some of the worst animal protection laws in the Western world, um, can I ask generally how bad animal protection laws are just sort of like generally like are we setting the curve on that <laughs> you know we're we're consistently given a near failing grade in global rankings reports by okay. world animal protection actually issues an international rankings report and canada gets a d which is pretty embarrassing um there's no need mm. for that let me mm -hmm. just give you one example, Adam, to okay. illustrate the point. Yeah. So in this country, farming is basically not regulated at all with respect to animal welfare. Farmers essentially are given free license to make up their own rules over how they decide animals should be treated. There's no federal or provincial animal welfare laws that say, here's how much space animals should have. Here's how much uh, fresh air or sunlight they deserve. Here's what social opportunities they should have. Um, you compare that to... Uh, and I'm going to use the United States as an example, because Canada, of course, we all know our national pastime is feeling morally superior to Americans. <laughs> but when it comes to animal cruelty laws, they are beating us. So in many U.S. states, it's actually illegal to keep chickens inside tiny cages or to keep mother pigs in gestation crates so small that they can't even turn around while they're pregnant. Uh, but practices like that are still completely legal in Canada, and the industry is being way too slow to phase them out on their own. So I think farming is a really good example because it mm. represents the most numbers of animals used. Uh, we did slaughter 834 million plus animals last year for food alone. Mm -hmm. Is that because we we focus too much maybe on the end product, which is the meat, you know, and the eggs and the, the dairy and, and all that instead of focusing on everything leading up to the end product. <laughs> you know, I think that the industry, the farming industry, the, the meat industry, dairy industry, the egg industry, I think they make it really difficult for Canadians to appreciate what the conditions are really like. Um, most people kind of generously assume that our government's out there doing a good job of policing these industries and, you know, looking after animals. But the industries are largely setting their own rules and align with what will make them more profitable and not what will be best for animals. Um, but one of the reasons I think it's difficult for people to appreciate that is because animals are kept on closed doors on factory farms, and mm. we don't have access to see those conditions. Um, you can't just walk onto a pig farm or a chicken farm or a turkey farm or, in many cases, a dairy farm um, and view for yourself what the animals are kept in. Um, and in mm. fact, not only is it difficult to do this, but one of the few tools that animal advocates like my group um, have to show the public what those invest uh, what those conditions are like is undercover investigations mm -hmm. where someone gets a job on a farm and films what they see and then that video goes to news media and if there's cruelty people can see it for themselves it's a really powerful tool but industries have actually lobbied to make it illegal to go right. undercover on factory farms and so ontario has one of those laws we call them egg gag laws agricultural gag laws <laughs> such that if you try to investigate a factory farm in ontario you could be hit with massive fines and animal justice is challenging that in court. Yeah, it's almost like the animal rights version of a slap suit. 
um, which we we've already accepted is uh, a, a bad thing. Um, I think we could talk about the the underlying basis of this all day, but I, I do want to kind of get onto the sort of the main issue uh, I wanted to talk about. And we had arranged to do this interview um, before this hit the news, so it bad timing for some, good timing for others. But uh, a beluga whale, and I'm sure you know this, a beluga whale and a bottlenose dolphin um, passed away at Marineland. What I find interesting is that uh, I believe the man is his name's Phil Demers, who's the the whistleblower. Um, it came from him, perhaps understandable, given that he's been a whistleblower for Marineland. But it was confirmed by the Solicitor General's office, and Marineland has been pretty silent about like confirming that on their end. And I, I, what strikes me, and maybe you can comment on this, is just is Marineland under the impression that they're not like in a bad they haven't been in a bad news cycle for 10 years and that if they don't say anything that they can get ahead of the story is i mean i'm not i'm I'm not asking you to to, like psychoanalyze what they're doing in their comms department but it just it seems weird that they're still quiet on it yeah it's it's a it's a weird situation at marine land They, they have been very quiet on communications for quite a number of years now um, whereas, you know, a decade ago, they were quite aggressive. They, mm. you know, had media relations folks there always trying to get their perspective in the news. Um, you mentioned slap suits a moment ago. They were out there suing as many people as they could, frankly, over comments that people made in the media about the conditions at Marineland. Uh, but they have gone quiet more recently. Um, and you're right. It's just so heartbreaking. Um, Sonar, the dolphin and Kodiak, the beluga, uh, unfortunately passed away. And this follows just a couple months after Kiska, Canada's last captive orca whale, perished at Marineland 2. And what all of these animals have is that they've been held most of their lives in captive hell situations, frankly. Um, I was really excited and inspired when Parliament passed laws in 2019 saying no more captivity of whales and dolphins in Canada. You can't acquire any new whales, any new dolphins. Um, you can't breed the ones who are already in tanks. But unfortunately, that means that the existing animals had to be grandfathered in just out of um, practical necessity. There's not really a sanctuary ready for them to go to, although there are hopes that there will be in the future. And one is being built in, in Nova Scotia as we speak uh, by the Whale Sanctuary Project. But for now, there's not anywhere for them to go. And I think that we need to see government taking a more active role in trying to help these animals. Um, Animal Welfare Services, through the Ministry of the Solicitor General, they claim to have inspected Marineland dozens and dozens of times over the last few years, and I know that they've actively been engaged with with the Marine Park. But if that's the case, why do these animals keep dying? What Mm -hmm. is going so wrong at Marineland that these deaths keep happening? I think that's uh, there's a lot to unpack there. And, And one of them is, I think, for a lot of people who may be aware that there was there were laws passed restricting or barring um the using these animals in in performance venues like Marineland. Um and I think maybe there's a, an erroneous opinion that, you know, it was over. Maybe they released all the animals, but I, I think that there is we're in this weird sort of purgatory right now. They the animals can't perform. The animals can't be released to the wild because because they've been you know, in captivity for years and years and years, they've lost the, those like finely ingrained survival skills. And so they're stuck. And do we know like what those conditions are for those animals right now? Like you talked about, you know, uh, the go- government inspections, but I mean, how, how open are, are those kind of inspection results? How much do we know about how the dolphins and the, the whales or the seals 
all the marine land animals like what is it what are their lives like right now yeah yeah unfortunately animal welfare services shares basically no information publicly about any inspections that they've done at marine land um they keep that information very close to their chests and not for any good reason, so far as I can tell. Um, we believe very strongly that the public has an extreme interest in the well-being the, of those animals at Marineland. And we know that to be the case because people actually worked really hard to pass this legislation. And people are outraged every time we hear the news about another death at Marineland. So I think it's only fair that the government be more transparent with people in Ontario about those conditions. And Adam, what tends to happen is that we only find out about a death, um, we only find out about the conditions there based on leaks from Marineland. Right. Um, oftentimes, Phil Demers, the, the former trainer who's a whistleblower, as you mentioned, he will receive information, thankfully, and share that publicly. Um, sometimes folks fly drones over those beluga tanks so we can count the numbers of belugas and see how many there actually are. Uh, Marineland and the Ministry of the Solicitor General do not release that information to the public either. So we know every year that whales and dolphins um, are dying at Marineland. But unfortunately, there's an extreme lack of transparency from the government on what they're doing about the situation. Is that a gap in the law? Yeah, I think in Canada, we don't have a lot of transparency around animal protection issues. Um, again, we fail compared to the states. Let me give you an example of this. Mm -hmm. A few years ago, Marineland wanted to sell or ship or loan or however they build it. Um, a number of beluga whales to Mystic Aquarium in Connecticut in the United States. And to do this, there needed to be import or export permit permits on both sides of the border. And those permits could only be issued in Canada if it was in the best interest or for scientific research that those whales go there because of the new laws that we passed in 2019. Right. So in Canada, this was a completely secretive closed door process. We weren't able to learn anything about those permits until after they were issued. And even then, the government exempted most of the relevant information when they released them pursuant to access to information laws. Compare that to the United States where there had to be import permits issued. That was an entire public process. People got to comment on it. People got to share their views with the government before the permits were issued. Quite a lot of information was shared with the public so they could form the basis of their opinion. It was a really stark contrast between how the United States treats information, which is in a much more open way, and how Canada treats it, which is to keep most information secret, especially if it pertains to any private company. Just another reminder that... Uh... A lot of a lot of our rules in the area of FOIA are, are kind of lagging behind. Um, yeah, they're horrible. I was talking to somebody that was doing this interview, and and they were kind of surprised. Not that we were going to talk about this issue, but just that Marineland was still in business. And I, I googled Marineland, and yeah, they're they're getting ready to open for the season. They don't. They can't have the animals perform anymore. That's that's illegal now. Um, they do still have like rides and things, but. There are no Marineland commercials anymore. They don't advertise. Um, unless you like go out and look like, well, what can I do in Niagara Falls? Maybe it'll come up. I'm I'm just curious, like, and maybe you have some insight into this. Like, what is their business model now? Because they're kind of in purgatory too, right? You know, this was a this was an attraction built around come and see whales up close and in person, but they can't do that anymore. So yeah. I guess what is the point of Marineland? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question. <laughs> you know, I think I think society has changed. We've moved on from this idea that it's okay to keep animals, especially whales and dolphins, in captivity in tiny tanks. If you look at polls, most people now agree that it's not right to keep animals in captivity for entertainment for people. 
And I think when you drive by Marine Lands parking lot in the summer, it is significantly more empty than it used to be. We don't have access to their books because they're a private corporation. So I don't know if their revenue has taken a hit, but it would be shocking to me if it hadn't given how few people seem to still want to go to Marine Land. Um, you know, and, and unfortunately, you mentioned the performances. It is technically illegal to use a whale or dolphin in a performance for entertainment now in Canada since those new laws passed, but Marineland has continued to do it. Um, they've been using dolphins in shows every summer since that mm. law passed, and sometimes belugas too. So, And they've actually been criminally charged for doing so um, after Animal Justice filed a complaint with the Niagara police. Now, unfortunately, the prosecutors in the regional courthouse withdrew that charge last December. So I'm very curious to see if they're going to continue to flout the law by holding those performances when the park opens in a few weeks, or if they'll actually step back from doing those shows too. But, um, you know, I think shows are not. This industry is dying. This business is dying. It's something people have simply moved on from. Right. And the fact that the the Crown did drop the charges, that could almost be taken as like tacit permission for them to get back in the performance business. I fear that's how it will be taken by Marineland. Um, yeah. We know that they threatened to bring quite a lot of lengthy motions at a trial when they were facing that prosecution. And I'm, I'm fearful that um, the police and the Crown in the future won't lay charges again if they continue show, doing those shows. Um, this is part of a troubling pattern of Marineland not being held to account legally for very obvious, in my view, violations right. of the law. They've actually faced charges uh, a number of different occasions under um, provincial legislation. Uh, Marineland's lawyer, Andrew Burns, was recently charged with uh, an offense under the Lobbying Act, and that mm. was in relation to alleged unlawful lobbying activity when the bill to ban whale and dolphin captivity was working its way through Parliament. And we'll right. see what happens in that case. Um, but another example of, of times when I think that they should face prosecution and they haven't was the captivity of Kiska the orca whale. Um, there were video after video that came out of Kiska floating listlessly in her tank, circling endlessly, and even really, really troublingly bashing herself against the side of the tank. Um, right. You cannot watch that video and not appreciate that this is an animal who's in distress by being kept by herself for over a decade in a small, small tank without any companionship. And it's illegal under both federal law and provincial law to cause emotional or physical um, distress or suffering to animals. Yet, time and again, we see authorities refusing to hold Marineland to account for that distress that she was so clearly experiencing. And we've filed multiple complaints about this, but nothing has been done. So I've been really deeply concerned for years that this is a facility that just gets away with uh, whatever it wants to do. Right. I want to address another issue, um, and I'm, I'm kind of surprised that it's a thing. Um, penned dog hunting apparently the government the provincial government wants to expand that um first can you describe to people what penned dog hunting is i think i know but i, I want to hear it from an expert <laughs> yeah thank you so much for bringing this up this was completely shocking to us when we learned that the government was planning to move forward on this pen dog hunting is where hunters will We'll capture animals like coyotes, like foxes, like rabbits. They'll put them in a very, very large pen, many, many acres wide. And they will set those animals loose. And then they'll set hunting dogs loose on those animals, allegedly to train them so that they can learn right. how to hunt animals in the wild. Um, they call these euphemistically train and trial areas. Uh, but what really ends up happening is that the dogs catch these animals. 
chase them mercilessly, and oftentimes kill them and rip them apart. Um, we have video footage, we have images from Facebook groups that these hunters maintain where they post their exploits. And there's photo after photo and video after video of dogs viciously attacking these poor defenseless animals who have nowhere to run, nowhere to hide, and killing them and harming them. In some cases, the dogs who are used for this hunting activity get hurt too. We've seen videos of, you know, one dog who had a very sharp stick poke through his or her sort of um, flank area, leaving a ginormous hole. Um, mm -hmm. it, it seems bad for, for everybody involved. Mm-hmm. And there, there were a few of these, these types of facilities in Ontario. And from what I gather, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, it was kind of like, we'll let them, you know, we'll let that business model peter out. And then all of a sudden we have the provincial government saying, well, actually, why don't we have some more? Um, I guess what's driving this is, is there a big like hunting and dog hunting, fox hunting lobby in Ontario we don't know about? <laughs> Apparently there is. Okay. <laughs> You're right. In the 90s, there were 50 or 60 of these facilities. And um, in 1997, the government passed new laws saying no more. The existing ones can continue operating, but they're not issuing any new licenses. And the idea was that these places would just phase themselves out over time. And that was happening. They were down to, I, I believe it's currently 24 facilities. So less than half of what there once was. And um, I expect that in the coming years, as the owners retire and age out of the business and can't transfer their facilities, that would be even less and perhaps zero pretty soon. So it seems like the hunting lobby got very upset about this and has been lobbying for quite some time quietly to um, open up pen dog hunting again so that anyone can you know, get a license and, and set up shop, which is deeply, deeply disappointing. This is a very small niche group of hunters engaged in practices that, frankly, most people find atrocious. If you look at polls, over 80-90% of people are opposed to, to hunting animals for sport. It's not an activity that most of us engage in. It's not something done to feed families. It's something done for entertainment. And people find that brutal, they find that vicious, and they find it unacceptable. This kind of occurred to me as we've been talking, but you know, on the one hand, we have this business with Marineland that we're trying to understand, we're trying to hold them to account, we're trying to develop laws, we're trying to protect the animals, and it's kind of all in the dark. And then on the other hand, we have this other issue that's kind of in the dark of like hunters working, massaging, lobbying to open up the the animal cruelty, I guess, enterprise might be, might be the way to put it. But the thing is, when you go on social media, which, you know, can be an utterly horrible place to be. But, you know, by and large, on the topic of animals on social media, people are very much in favor. People love animals, even if they're not their pets. You know, if they're wild animals they see out and about. It just strikes me, in term, and, and this has to do with the media business too, I think, well, I guess, what can we do to sort of rebalance these issues? Like, people want, the, want these to be priorities they want to know what's going on but on the other hand on the other hand it's just it's it's all happening in the dark i guess how can we elevate this to to take away some of that darkness yeah that's a really good and thoughtful question um i think a lot of people feel really disempowered because they see governments making moves on animals that are bad they're not in the right direction uh sometimes we do see really good action like the federal ban on keeping whales and dolphins in captivity but then there's issues like this dog hunting pen issue that um, people are really shocked by. 
And people feel disempowered because they feel like they're not being listened to. But Mm. I think what we need to change to turn things around is having more people actively engaged with their members of provincial parliament or federal parliament, as the case may be. Um, Right now, MPPs, the government, they're not hearing from average citizens on this. They're hearing from the sport hunters. They're hearing from the dog hunters. They're hearing from people who want to open up these animal cruelty enterprises, as you say. (laughs) And, uh, you know, a lot of people feel intimidated to meet with their member of provincial parliament. They don't feel like they're going to be listened to. But we've been really encouraging people to do that on this issue and a lot of other issues. And in fact, we started something called the Animal Justice Academy, animaljusticeacademy.com. It's a training course that anyone can take online that teaches you how to become more active, how to get engaged in these issues in your community. And it teaches you how to meet with a a public office holder and get your perspective out there and make sure they understand that some of their constituents see this from the perspectives that the hunters do not. Mm -hmm. So we've really been encouraging people to get active in the political arena. It's actually not that scary to meet with MPPs. Um, It's quite the opposite. It's their job to listen to constituents. So they do want to hear from people. And usually when we speak with people who've had these meetings, they are really happy they did it. Okay. Well, that's, I I, I like to give people some direction if they are concerned about the issue. And maybe to wrap up, um, if there's like maybe one or two issues regarding like animal welfare that aren't on the average person's radar that you you wish was sort of getting more attention? Well, what would those like one or two issues be right now? Yeah, yeah, great question. I mean, top of mind for me, it's always animals on farms because we kill so many of them and the conditions they're kept in are just so atrocious. Um, Let me just give one example of something that people don't really appreciate. In in Canada, we don't have any bans on extreme confinement, like battery cages, as I mentioned, for hens or gestation crates for pigs. The industries have said that they would phase these practices out, but they're not really doing it. Instead of getting rid of cages for um, hens who lay eggs, the industry is keeping cages, but making them a little bit bigger and adding a couple of like, you know, enrichments in there, like a nest box or a perch. Uh, but they're not going free range, which is what is much better for the birds. Mm -hmm. Um, so I really encourage people to think very carefully about the choices they're making and what the industries are telling you. Oftentimes their marketing terms do not reflect reality. And when they use words like humane, when they use words like free range or organic, you may not be getting the product that you think you're getting. So Mm -hmm. we offer resources on our website to help educate people about this. But I think it's important for people to know that the farming industry frankly can't be trusted. And the industries that are trying to sell you these products are, are often engaged in misrepresentations about their practices. Mm-hmm. Well, I hope we've made people maybe a little bit more aware today. Um, certainly, I, I am, I, as we were just discussing before the interview, I, I've been eager to dig into sort of topics of, of animal welfare on the show for a while now. So I'm, I appreciate your time, Camille. And uh, thank you for all your hard work and, and the hard work of your advocacy group. I know it's appreciated out there. So thanks so much. Oh. For- It was a real pleasure to be here, Adam. Thank you so much for having me. Okay. And once again, that was Camille Labchuk of Animal Justice. And as you heard, there uh, are ways to educate yourself and get involved. And um, I don't have Animal Justice's uh, address handy. Hold on. Give me a minute. Animal. I think it's animaljustice.com. Animaljustice.ca. Yeah, you're right. Nailed it. Animaljustice.ca. Okay. Got it on under the wire. Uh, just like this uh, show we do every week, we are out of time. 
You could stay connected to us at our website at opensourcesguelph.com. You can find us on Facebook at Open Sources Newswire, and we're on Twitter at OS underscore Guelph. If you would like to listen to our show again, you can download it from our website every Monday, get it through the Guelph Politicast channel on Podbean, or through your favorite podcast app at Apple, Stitcher, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. You can find me personally on Twitter. I'm going down with the ship at Adam A. Donaldson. <laughs> and that's my address at Instagram, too. And you can find my news and politics site at GuelphPolitico.ca. And I'm Scotty Hertz, who does not love Marineland, at uh, Twitter, <laughs> Facebook, and Mastodon. And if you're joining us on our regular time on the FM, please stay tuned for Turtle Island Underground. And that is one of the many great programs that you will hear on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. And until next week, Thursday at 5 p.m., that's it for Open Sources. But we will see you again. Same bad time, same bad channel. Have a good week.